What Else with Corey Mann on the Studio DNA Podcast Network. One-on-one conversations with some of your favorite artists. Find this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, and Spreaker.com. What Else with Corey Mann on the Studio DNA Podcast Network. At Sif Pop. We're your movie friends. And are friends really friends if you don't know them? So grab a popcorn. And head over to our row. So we can chat movies. Like friends do. There's always room for more movie friends. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Welcome. Welcome. Welcome to the writer's room. Hello and welcome to Civ Pop Writer's Room. I'm your host, Aaron, but not that Aaron, of course. And today I'm joined by Civ Pop writer Joe again. Hi, everyone. We write for SifPop.com, providing you with movie reviews, best ever challenges, and other interesting movie-related articles, so make sure you check out the website SifPop.com to keep up with those. On today's show, we're going to talk about a coming attraction. We'll give our thoughts on uh, two movies coming out uh, soon. I think both are supposed to be theatrical releases. Uh, it's been a while since we've had two theatrical releases. Then on to our Sif topic, we'll be talking about the 300 films, because second week of the month, comic book stuff. Seems pretty timely to talk about uh, some Snyder films, since the Zack Snyder Justice League is coming out here uh, shortly uh, we'll explore the b-plot once we're done talk about 300 films uh, talk, and we'll come up with a question that joseph sent us and uh, we'll wrap up with a spin-off quick recommend or warn from each one of us but first as always let's get a chance to know our writer this week uh joe let's think about this uh earlier what, are, what do you think are the most important elements of filmmaking what do you think are the most important elements of like what make movies like beyond excellent well i think it has to do with uh, characterization and character building uh okay. if you can build and construct interesting characters, your viewer will just care more. I even yeah. prefer characterization and uh, character uh, building and growth over plot. Uh, plot can be very loose uh, to me, but if we have some like good characters I actually care about, and you put them in, you know, either precarious situations or or otherwise, like I kind of like to see them kind of work through it. And if they if there's a strong kind of three, you know, four dimensional type of character it's very satisfying to see them and how they would work through that. And if you truly believe that's the way they would react to a certain situation, I think that's really effective. Those tend to be the movies that I kind of lean towards. Yeah. There that's, I think that's right on the money. Uh, what I agree with as well. Uh, and I think that you could come up with a million different answers for this question. Uh, again, depending on the movie, like something like Alita battle angel, I think is a little bit more dependent on, world building than it is necessarily characters um i think you really need to believe that world and get invested in that world uh in order for that movie to work and i think that's kind of where it hinges on whether you love it or hate it but i you know and i think that uh sometimes it's originality but i think at the end of the day it's it's about the characters and a lot of that relies on the actors the screenplays and the direct uh, the screenplay and the director so kind of everybody at work it's it's got to be the right uh right producer that's uh right casting production that is uh is making sure people in those roles. Cause like th- take this for example, in La La Land originally was supposed to be Miles Teller and Emma Watson. It would have been fine, but it wouldn't be my sixth favorite movie of all time. <laughs> yeah. You know, so I think, I think all that like has to play into effect for things. And I think pr- you're, you're absolutely right. that character trumps plot because think about take Shawshank for redemption, for example, you know, arguably the best movie of all time. We don't care about the movie because of the plot. Sure, the plot happens to be good, but we care about the movie because Andy Dufresne is such a likable guy. He's such a uh, a changing guy. We we see the way that he adapts and overcomes in his environment because Red is such a lovable character who is just trying to to do his best. And uh, the the crew that's kind of with Red, you know, of the the William Sadler character and and all the other guys that are just lovable and they're so uh, colorful. Like each like each one of them have their own little quirks, and like they 
they feel realized like exactly <laughs> right and then you know and then you add the evil warden and the evil uh security guard the head security guard but you we care about and, uh, you brooks of course is the heart of the movie you know when it really comes well i mean red's the heart of the movie but but brooks has has the moment that i think people resonate the most with uh, people sympathize with the most and so the cautionary yeah, tale I mean, <laughs> right and like look shawshank has a great plot it's a really great, interesting story, but the reason why it has a 9.3 on IMDb and is considered the greatest movie of all time according to that status is because these characters are so lovable, so lived in, so realistic, and people that we want to root for. And we're talking about convicts here. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I was, uh, was going to piggyback off Alita. Um, yeah, I, I definitely agree with you that world building is like a huge part of that movie. It really makes you buy into it, and everything kind of leads to that. But uh, to, to to kind of explain more about the characterization in, in that film alone, a lot of the other characters are kind of like minor characters that kind of build up Alita. And I feel like Alita is, by the yep. end of the film, you know, has like a really nice arc and is very, very realized. Like the, from the get-go, she saves a puppy and you're like, I love her. She's great. Like, <laughs> like you almost forget about the uh, yeah. the visual effects that are so jarring to, you know, to, to a large amount a large amount of people due to her having such large large eyes and whatnot. But you kind of get lost after that. Right. Well, and you know, your everybody's favorite movie is always going to wind up being the most important thing, the things that are most important to them. And you know, we kind of agreed characterization and look, the nice guys is my favorite movie of all time be precisely because of that, but because it does everything else so well, because the, uh, you know, the Ryan Gosling character is just so lovable. And again, you take anybody else and you put him in that role. And I just don't think it works. Uh, the same with the Russell Crowe character. Like you, you put, let's say Bruce Willis, for example, in that role. And I just don't think it works anymore. I think you have a movie no. more on the level of something like cop out. Um, you take Shane Black out of the screenplay or out of the direction. You take a, the, the little girl, Angry Rice, and you take her, you cast her with somebody else. And like, it's just not as good. Everything on that movie works so well. And like, I like my movies to be substantive, but also like, I, I do want a little charm out of them. And I think the nice guys were just something that completely blew me away. And, uh, but at the end, it's because I love the, the really our three main characters, and I just want to spend more time with them. Exactly, and and the the funny way they set the pace with Ryan Gosling's character, like you think he's like really cool and really slick. He's gonna you know he's gonna break into this building, and he severely cuts his hands, and it's yeah. just hilarious. Like it's like the best, the strongest comedic timing you could have, and like the best case scenario of like that going awry. Like it was just perfect. Yeah, for sure. Uh, anyway, you know, we I could talk about the nice calls, guys all day, as everybody knows. We have one more question uh, before the random question. That is, uh, what is the best part about being a film lover? For me, it's 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 funny. We talked about characterization. We talked about world building, but I think it's like really getting lost in these like fully realized worlds. I can tell right away where I'm like, I'm really not feeling this film, and I could I could really dissect mm -hmm. why I was like, I'm just not really believing the world that you're constructing or building building up. Uh, mm -hmm. I, I mean, I hate to use Elita as another example, but I really think they really built that up really well as a living, breathing place and uh, sure. did a lot of great visual storytelling. I mean, one of my favorite movies is uh, Mad Max Fury Road. That's another one that just like it really just fully immerses you in their environments. It does like a lot of great visual storytelling through the various environments. And then all, I mean, also there's, you know, their, their costume design and everything else that kind of goes into that. But to me, yeah, strong world building yeah. can just get me lost in lost in the film. Yeah, I think that's my favorite thing about being a film viewer. To me, theater experience is the best experience because it's easy. It's so easy for me to get lost in in the movie, and if I can't, then the movie is doing something really wrong. And uh, you know, or sometimes it's just like too good. So, like a, the best example I can think of is I think 1917 is an okay movie. Like I I, I admire and respect the movie, but 
Um, but the problem was about halfway through the movie, sitting in the theater, being absolutely blown away. I looked at my wife and I'm like, I would rather watch the behind the scenes than I would watch the second, than I would rather watch the second half of this movie. And that's a problem. Like, you know, it's a good problem to have, but it's, it's a problem because I'm not fully invested. I'm not fully lost in this world. And uh, I want to be, so that's my, I think that's my favorite thing as a film viewer, but I think my favorite thing as a film lover is I really love being able to bring out a film lover out of just a normal person because what, the more I hang out with people, uh, it's it's interesting the amount of experiences I've had where people you know, I'll reference a movie and they'll be like, oh yeah, I know what you're talking about, and they're like, I've seen a lot more movies than I think I have, and uh, and so getting somebody to start thinking in that sort of way, like it, that's ex- that's exactly my story with movies. Is somebody pointed out you've seen a lot of movies, or or somebody kept on referencing things. I'm like, okay, I've seen a lot of movies. I know a lot of these references. So definitely more than the average person. I just kind of leaned into that. But I, I think I think it's really exciting when you can find somebody and they'll be like, man, I've seen a lot more than I give credit for. And I just think there's something so rewarding about about that, you know, turning somebody from a casual film watcher and like without changing anything about them, but making a remark for them to be like full gung-ho, like, yeah, now I've got to embrace that and embody that. And I choose to embrace that embodies that, you know? Yeah. I, I did that with my, uh, with my best friend. Like, I think I'm more of the kind of cinephile kind of watch a lot of movies type. Sure. Uh, but like, you know, introduce him like, Hey, maybe, uh, you know, check out this movie. And sometimes I know like this may not be his type of film or whatnot, but I'm like, you kind of need to kind of explore mm-hmm. and kind of stretch those, uh, those muscles out a bit. Can't just watch like the same, yeah, five to ten movies over and over again. So if if there's something that I know that's in his wheelhouse, I'll shoot it his way, and you know, or or we're, I mean, we used yeah. to go to the theaters all the time. So it was yeah, it was a great experience to kind of bring him along. Uh, I mean, I hate to use the term normie, but it was like you're you're more of a normie than I am when it comes to you know watching uh, you know particular type of films, art house films or whatnot. But it's nice to see his his reaction, especially when we went to go see Midsummer. Like it was hilarious. He was just like. This movie's insane. I was like, "Yeah, exactly." Like, and he knows the type of movies that I'm into, so it's <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and also to clarify, like, not everybody is going to be that person that you know by hanging around with them, they realize how many movies they've seen and that they can think critically about movies themselves. You know, um, like not everybody is that way, but I think it's just really something yeah. special if you can can bring that out in somebody. Cool. Well, I have one last random question for you. And uh, Joe, you are a, a relatively uh, fit person, uh, to, to say the least. And uh, the question is, what is your favorite workout? Favorite workout? Uh, uh, pretty easy. I love doing bench press. Uh, I think okay. I, I actually, uh, for an entire month, I think I didn't miss a day of doing bench press, which is incredibly terrible on your shoulder joints and your, your shoulder yeah. tendons. So not great. Um, I PR'd though at the end of the month, so that was cool. Yeah, that that has to be my favorite exercise if I had to say. Well, what 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 is yours? What what is your That's favorite? A, this this I don't have a I don't have an answer cuz uh I mean you can't really see the bottom half of my body but it's not pretty. <laughs> I <laughs> um, I am I'm going to the rec center. I'm trying to to lose some weight and uh so I'm trying to do things like, you know, drink more water and cuz I've really been notoriously bad about that and just trying to in general um uh, you know, eat, watch a little bit more what I'm eating. But as of right now, it's just, I need to shred weight uh, as opposed to build muscle. So it's just treadmills and exercise bikes and things like that for me. So, which like I like because I'll just put on Hulu on my phone and and for 
you know, 30 minutes while on the bike or whatever. And so I, I don't really know that I have uh, necessarily a, uh, a favorite workout. I mean, does playing ultimate Frisbee count? Yeah. It's a workout burning calories. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> With all that uh, in mind, we'll, we'll move on to the, the coming attraction. We'll talk about two movies. I, I'm pretty sure we'll be pretty brief about this. Um, yeah. Cause these are movies that even I didn't know were coming out until like two weeks ago or whatever. Cause scraping the bottom of the barrel. Cause everything keep on getting pushed back. And uh, you know, sc- sometimes scraping the bottom of the barrel is nice. Cause it's like, you know, you could really find some gems like on a normal year. There's no way we'd have talked about Palm Springs last year. And gosh, I loved that movie. So Let's start off talking about Cosmic Sin here. The uh, synopsis for this movie, gosh, it's it's beefy, so stick with me for a second. In the year 2524, <laughs> four centuries after humans started colonizing the outer planets, retired General James Ford gets called back into service after a hostile alien fleet attacks soldiers on a remote planet. This threat against mankind soon escalates into an interstellar war as Ford and a team of elite soldiers try and stop the imminent attack before it's too late. I am fairly certain that this movie is coming out um, in theaters. I don't. I, I have nothing to back that up because is, I haven't. Is it really coming out in theaters? Uh, it's according to IMDb. It said in theaters uh, on March twelfth, which is this Friday. Uh, but I wonder if you know um, IMDb sometimes is not wrong about that. Uh, I was not right about that. I think maybe even for a straight to DVD release, they still put in that, or maybe they're going to try to do that theater at home thing where it just kind of launches on vod but i'm not super sure my get but it says in theaters according to imbb so uh anyway <laughs> joe i i hate to do this to you since uh it seems like every week every week that you're on we always have some washed up actor being in some straight to dvd quality movie but uh what do you think about cosmic sin would you check it out uh on opening weekend would you wait for a discount night would you wait to rent it at home until it's on a streaming service you already pay for you're just not interested in seeing this movie it looks like a, a great Redbox special. That's what I like to call it. Like okay. a Redbox film. Uh, so I'm definitely super not interested. Um, <laughs> and the glaring, like, I'll, I'll start with the positives this time. Frank Grillo, I love Frank Grillo. Like, I probably would watch it uh-huh. just because he's in it. Because I, I just enjoy him. I want to support okay. his work. Um, I think he's a great physical actor. Yeah, I think he has presence to be a leading man. I, d- I do like him in the... Um, yeah. The uh, what 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 are the films called again? The um, the 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 Purge one. Yes, uh, the two Purge movies he's in. Like I like him in it, even though the yeah. third Purge movie is is kind of whatever. The the second one I actually really enjoyed it. I thought he was really good in it, and uh, I thought he was a strong candidate to maybe play Frank Castle in the future. That's how good he was. Like he pretty much was a punter. Yeah, yeah. As soon as I see Bruce Willis's really sad and uninterested uninterested face on the cover of something, I always know I'm in for a bad time. So. <laughs> That made me kind of sad as soon as I opened yeah, up the trailer. Well, I was like, <laughs> well, it turns out Frank Grillo was also in uh, uh, Jiu Jitsu, which we talked about your first time on the show. And yeah, it's a, there's there, I, there's another I thing like, there. <laughs> like Grillo kind of came out of nowhere. He, I mean, he did some stints on some like network television shows. It looks like apparently he has a role in Minority Report. I think it's probably just like an extra, like a you know, not anybody that actually gets their face up front, just in the. Probably super minor, or maybe stunts too. Maybe could be. It's well, it says he plays Agent Cop number one, but you know, then all of a sudden he comes out with like the uh, Warrior in the Gray, and it's just like he's a star at, after the Gray. So yeah, I, the uh, first thing I saw him in was uh, Warrior. I thought he, I thought he was really good. Me too. I really enjoyed yeah. him in that. Yeah, me too. I, I'm, I'm totally with you. I love Frank Grillo. I'll, uh, I won't watch anything that he's in, but I do enjoy seeing him in a movie that I'm interested in seeing and. 
look, I'm, I'm, I think I'm with you. I like that terminology, a red, ba- a red box movie, but like the only way I see myself watching this movie. So for the record, I'm going to go with not interested in this movie. Uh, but the only way I see myself <laughs> watching this movie, right. The only way I see myself watching this movie is in the same way that you watch something like a Tommy Wiseau movie where you just have some friends over you have no expectations. You just look at having a fun time. You have a couple drinks. You hang out, and everybody leaves with a smile on their face, going like, "We just experienced that together, and and we are better <laughs> for that. Our relationship is better for that." This is this is the only acceptable excuse, in my opinion, to watch this movie. In my in my interest level, I'll say instead of opinion, in my interest level I to watch. Completely agree. Like just watch it ironically, and just you know, like you said, have a good time. Have uh, you know, have six beers, maybe a twelve pack. I don't know, <laughs> and you know, just enjoy. Well, it. but the pro- the problem is like there's not enough of these. Like there are already enough of these movies. Like I'd rather just invite people over to watch The Room instead, or you know, to put another kind of space prison ish movie that I really love. I love Lockout. Um, for this reason, it's great to just pop on and have a good time. And so, think I would rather turn on. Blackout or The Room or what's some of those other like really terrible early Jean-Claude Van Damme movies or like especially like <laughs> watching Bloodsport like it's just it's great it's just... yeah yeah that's 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 a good that's a good thing like early Jean-Claude Van Damme stuff you know pretty much anything from the 80s <laughs> yeah anything that's like hyper cheesy like and it's cheesy and it's kind of a wink and a nod yeah I like that kind of stuff too so there is no part of this except for Frank Grillo that really makes me interested. And like, look, I love Bruce Willis. Um, I think he's uh, he's great in in obviously Die Hard. Uh, he's great in the Shyamalan stuff that he's been in. You know, The Sixth Sense and Unbreakable. But man, when was his falling out? Like, when did he start becoming this guy that just gets thrown in all the straight to DVD stuff? I mean, probably probably right around the time he did. Oh, here we go. This is exactly it. This is exactly it. 2013, he did A Good Day to Die Hard, G.I. Joe, Retaliation, Red 2, and then the next year did the Sin City sequel, which, you Cop know, out I... also, right? Like, Cop Out was, like, around that time, too, right? Yeah, yeah, which, well, and a lot of these were, like, those, um, you know, the, like, sequels to popular franchise, but, like, as soon as he's done with that, like, I think as soon as he makes Red 2 and, die, and this terrible Die Hard 5, like, it's probably out before then. It's like, yeah, what happened to you? What, what did they do to you? I think he's a super enjoyable part to um, the Expendables 2, which is a movie I have a sweet spot for. Um, yeah, he's good in it. I, it looks like he cared. Yeah. So like he's that's, having fun. <laughs> so that's the thing is it just gets to the point where like, you can tell at this point which movies Bruce Willis is interested in and which ones he's not. That's really going to set the tone for if I'm going to be interested in your movie. And there's just a complete lack of experience from the director. And uh, so there's a director who is also a writer, but it was a writing combo. But the other writer didn't. But, like, there's a bunch of stuff that I've never heard of out of these these people. It looks like one of the writers was in Lone Survivor as an actor, but had no part of writing that. And, and I love sci-fi, too. But, like, good sci-fi. And this doesn't look like it's going to fit that bill. Uh, yeah, I want to say I think one one positive about this movie is that the effects look pretty okay. So, I actually thought they were going to look a lot worse. Um, I expected I them. The box art. <laughs> yeah, I expected them to look just atrocious, but they look pretty okay. I think visually, you think this might be you know a decent 
the yeah the costumes look nice the armor looks good looks like your yeah. prototypical kind of space marine meets gears of war type type of uh yeah like aesthetic it's got that <laughs> <laughs> you build up enough of those you might bump this up to something uh, other than not interested probably not again this this would be one of those like I might have a good time watching this movie, but this is not going to be a good movie it, from what I can tell. No, I think everybody's going to forget about this movie. This comes out March 12th, so probably March 13th, I think. <laughs> yeah, the very next day. As soon as they leave the theater, if it plays in theaters, it's just going to yeah. slip from their mind. Yeah. Well, <laughs> do you have any other things you want to say about Cosmic Sin, or can we please move on? Oh, we could just move on. I'm good. Yeah. uh, All right. Well, the other one coming out this week is is Honeydew. Uh, This is also coming out, I believe, in theaters. My guess is this is also going to be a theater at home. Um, I have nothing to back that up because it's just hard to tell which ones are and which ones aren't. But Honeydew, the synopsis for this movie is that uh, strange cravings and hallucinations befall a young couple after seeking shelter in the home of an aging farmer and her peculiar son. Uh, what about this one? You think it's going to be better than a Redbox movie? I'm actually pretty high on this movie. Is when I when I um, when I was checking out the trailer, I'm really into horror films. As, as you know, um, mm-hmm. it's probably one of my favorite genres. I'm, I'm a big genre guy. Okay. Um, it looks really intriguing to me. It looks like an A24 movie, um, as far as like having kind of like a kind of a, a really hidden premise. There's so, there's something nefarious happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, yeah. So for me, I I, I put it at a, a, an opening weekend. It had a lot of uncomfortable moments. I don't know why I like that in films. I maybe I'm a weirdo. I don't know. Uh, it looked very art house. Um, some some uh, some nice cinematography. Sure. Using a lot of uh, kind of classic horror techniques too with the cinematography. Yeah, I'm I'm yeah. super intrigued. It looked really eerie. Uh, it looked like it had kind of a dark humor to it also. So I'm into that too. Like I said, I'm a, I'm a weird person. <laughs> No, 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 no. I don't think there's anything weird about that at all. I just, my experience with movies, I'm the complete opposite of you. I'm going to also be a never watch for this. Um, and it's only for the the reason that you and I have completely different views on horror movies. I hate horror yeah. movies. For the most part, look, I like a really well done horror movie. I like The Shining, Dr. Sleep. Um, I, you like Hereditary uh, also too, right? Yeah, I think Hereditary is a, a really really good movie but that probably i wasn't interested in seeing before everybody was like okay hold on this one's doing really something something really special you should check this out and i did and i'm yeah. happy i did or you know something like uh, like i really love sinister um or i really love uh but like I, I think the first sinister is one of the better horror movies i've ever seen and you mentioned hereditary uh it's just horror is not my thing and like there has to be a, so much word of mouth for me to like something and a lot of times with, with uh word of mouth for horror people like i've I just don't know who to listen to uh, because I don't know a ton of people that are actual horror fans. So maybe I just need to listen to you because growing up, you know, every, you know, your, your people that are going because they're trying to get a thrill or an experience or something like that. Or it's like, mm-hmm. it's a date night and I wanted her, her to grab my hand or something like that. You know, like, so, so like when I was in high school, paranormal activity came out and remember when that was the biggest thing in the world. And like, <laughs> I watched it eventually and like the movie sucked. It was terrible. <laughs> And uh, I, I hated it. I, I'm like, this is so uninteresting to me. And uh, you know, I remember when The Conjuring was the biggest thing out there. And I watched it. I'm like, this is every horror movie I've ever seen before. And you know, this is something that we're going to talk about later, too. And we've already talked about so far. Uh, my biggest problem with horror movies is I need to care about the characters. I need to want them to live. I need to want. Uh, and so, like, that's the beauty of some of those older, like, 
you know, Michael Myers, uh, Jason, Freddy movies is you kind of like them more than you like. You want, you want Freddy to get away with things, right? Oh uh, yeah. But they're, they're yeah. just cannon fodder. Like <laughs> exactly. But like, unless you have an iconic character like that, then you know, for the most part, I need to care about these characters or like, I really like horror movies that wind up being metaphors, but that aren't actually scary. So a good example, I like the idea of the Babadook, but I didn't like the Babadook. Um, I probably need to rewatch that, but I love what that movie stands for. Yeah, I don't. I, I need to buy into characters, and I and I just don't. And, uh, for the most part, and gosh, I, I I like the when the movies are metaphors, or I like if they can manage to do something original with them. You know, I love I love Happy Death Day too, specifically, but it has to be something special for me to like it. And most movies to me are nothing special in the horror genre. And maybe it's partly like when I was experienced, most of these things were in high school. This is the jump scare era. This was the, you know, the first conjuring, the paranormal activity, the saw five like era, like the, (laughs) and like, like I kind of love the saw franchise for what it is. So, so take that as you will. Nobody's going to defend saw five, (laughs) but like, you know, the first couple I really love. Anyway, it's just got to be interesting. And look, this if this 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 poster looks like it should have a twenty four splattered on it somewhere, and it doesn't. Yeah, uh, it really should. It's it like I almost want to place it there. Like I want to Photoshop it in. <laughs> right. <laughs> and uh, premiered at Tribeca, by the way, it's worth noting. Premiered at Tribeca Film Festival last year. Look, I mean, that says something for itself. And like, but here's the other thing that you know we were talking earlier about. There was a movie you were really excited about. Uh, your fa- your most anticipated of the year, and you said oh, it's an A twenty four movie, and I'm like, okay, A twenty four, you got me. Um, <laughs> so, like, if this had A twenty four split put on here somewhere, like, I'm I'm a little bit more interested. But it, this is entirely a I don't like this genre. And so the the, the one last thing, and I'll let you talk more uh, as much as you want about anything else you have to say about this movie is that I don't like horror movies uh, for what they are, uh, but then I also get scared by horror movies. And I don't like being scared. Like not every horror movie like genuinely scares me, but like when I watched The Haunting of Hill House, like that thing creeped me out, and I had trouble sleeping for like weeks. Just the imagery of the bent neck, bent neck lady just stuck with me, and yeah, it's like it's, it's very haunting. But to me, sure. The Haunting of Hill House was totally worth watching it because that was excellent. But I don't really want to watch something that was just like, oh, that kind of sucked. Only for it to scare me and make me lose sleep <laughs> for the next week. Like, yeah, you get, you're getting so. none of the positives. You're just getting all the negatives. So I, I totally, right, I totally right. get. Like, see, that's why I'll never criticize you for. You're like, oh, I didn't really like that movie. It's like, well, you don't like horror films, and then on top of that, if it's not giving you something, you know, providing you with something to latch onto, you're like, oh, I just wasted time, and now I can't sleep at night. <laughs> like, this is the worst thing ever. <laughs> right. It reminds me of an older film too. I don't know if it's called like No Vacancy or uh, I forgot what the I forgot what the the film was called. Oh, the Luke Wilson one. Uh no. Uh, you know what? It's not that one. I forgot. It's a it's an '80s film. It will it will come to me sometime. But uh, but yeah, like an older couple. Okay. Uh, who's like they own a hotel? Basically, they have like these patches in their backyard, and uh, like lo and behold, they're actually cannibals and they're burying people in the ground. And uh, it has kind of a dark humor to it. It kind of reminded me of that. That's why. I was like, this looks like loosely kind of a spiritual successor to that '80s film, but uh, yeah, overall, um, I sure. like. I, I was I was impressed by the cinematography. Um, I, like I said, I like dark dark humor, and uh, yeah, yeah ov- overall, just like super interested. Like I haven't been really interested in, in a film in a in a bit. So yeah, nice little trailer. 
and definitely a uh, a palate cleanser from the first trailer, uh, Cosmic Sin. Yeah, I'm not gonna watch that movie. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I'll say this: if you give me Cosmic Sin and Honeydew back to yo, put them both in front of me and say you have to watch one of them. I'll probably pick Honeydew over that. Yeah, so man, I just look. I don't think I'm ever going to be opening weekend for a horror movie it, it, unless it's something based off an existing property that I really liked. So like Doctor Sleep, um, or whatever Alien movie is going to come out next. You know, that's kind of where I'm at. <laughs> so. Yeah, fair enough. Totally makes sense. Like if, if it's if it's not your wheelhouse and not your genre, and then also you get terrible nightmares. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't suggest. Yeah. <laughs> wasting your time it's not, it's not so much i have nightmares it's just i have trouble falling asleep because i can't get the imagery out of my head i mean that happened uh, with me in hereditary like i literally couldn't i would see things that i wouldn't normally so. see like in the corner of my eye and like just i would see people right. but for me i'm like oh that's a great movie i'm gonna watch it again <laughs> yeah so. Well, it should also be said that like docu series have scared me as well. Like um, the the one that HBO Max did uh, this summer called "I'll Be Gone in the Dark," based off the Golden State Golden State Killer. Even that documentary scared me, and I'm more susceptible to being scared of that kind of stuff because I know this is based on a true story. Like especially right. docu series, you know, or even something like Zodiac. Like this actually <laughs> happened, and like how do you not lose sleep at night knowing stuff, knowing stuff like this happened? And I'll be gone in the dark did a great job of telling the survivor stories. And like, I have so much respect for that, for letting them share their stories. But at the same time, like it freaking scares me. <laughs> so yeah. I, I will say, I will say this for, for if you like horror movies uh, or, if, or if you're one of those people that is interested in them, then I, I think that honeydew might be for you. This looks like a relatively well-made horror movie, but again, as somebody that has no interest in the genre, it's just, it's not going to get me probably ever, wherever I'll be on the scale will be never watch to rent. Right. Yeah. Do you have anything else? I mean, you sound pretty high on it. You just, yeah. Like, you, yeah. Like I said, as soon as, as soon as it becomes available, like I'll probably sit down and watch this with my wife. Uh, she also enjoys horror movies. Um, she might actually enjoy horror movies more than I actually do. Um, actually she's more of a disaster film person. Okay. Sadly, this would have been something that played at the, uh, the draft house in San Francisco, but, uh, Rest in peace, uh, San Francisco Draft House, Alamo Draft House. Mm, yeah. Pour one out for the Draft House. Pour one out for the Draft House. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, real quick, uh, before we move on, we talked about the Martinian and Judas and the Black Messiah last month. And uh, let's see, uh, we both said matinee for the Martinian. What do you think? Have you? St- are you still excited to see this one? Have you seen it? Oh, I haven't seen it, but I'm I'm up I'm up to watch it. If I can carve out some time to watch it, but like I said, I've been on a. Uh, I mean, we 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 talked previously. Like I've been on a huge TV series slash anime kick, so it's hard for me to to kind of buckle down it and 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 watch a film right now. It's really got to impress me, but uh, but yeah, I think I should carve yep. out some time and actually give us a watch. It looks like something that's that that's relatively in the the kind of realm of things I like to watch. So. I need to get back around and, yeah. and watch this for sure. I, I still haven't seen it, but I think b- based off of things that I've heard people say about it and just in general, I think my, uh, my anticipation level has dropped. I, st- I think I still want to see it. I just think I'm more like a streaming at this point. It's probably everything we kind of feared worth. too. Um, the things that we kind of described, like I, f- I forgot what the actress's name, but uh, she's from Divergent. Like, oh, she kind of looks like deer in the headlights. You know, oh, kinda... the yeah, she's, uh, yeah. I don't know. They keep trying to make her a thing, and it's just she's she's not great, right? Yeah, and I have heard that uh, from when I listened to the Sif Pop Weekly, and they talked about the Mauritania, and all three of them, well, two of the three of them said that, 
yes, Benedict Cumberbatch's American accent is so horrendous. So we were right about that. <laughs> so my anticipation level has dropped. My realistically, when am I going to get around to this? But um, such is the nature of hindsight. And Judas and the Black Messiah, we both said opening weekend. And uh, how did you, uh, have you, have you gotten a chance to see this one yet? Uh, yeah, sadly, I haven't uh, gotten a chance to see this either. It's really high up on my list as, as far as movies to watch. Yeah. Like we've talked about previously, like a super powerful message, um, a really interesting, um, kind of intriguing story. Uh, I love stories of like betrayal or like somebody is like in too deep, but like they have to, they have to do this, this one thing against their will. So I'm super into that. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely going to give this a watch. Maybe I'll watch it this weekend. um, If if I get the chance, is it on VOD? No, it's on HBO max and in theaters. Okay. Um, so it, it so is I on HBO. So it's on HBO Max. Yeah, so I might have to but, get And it will be until right. Yeah. Well, and it will be until I think this will be the last week because it's only a month after after it hits. So probably right. be off. From what it sounds like, I think Blu-ray is supposed to hit probably second week of May. Yeah. But it'll probably uh, be in theaters until then. Yeah, I might might just catch us at home and, and just kinda kinda cave in and get a get a membership. Cause this this looks like something that that would help me kind of pull the trigger on that for sure yeah yeah for sure uh yeah i saw it early in advance um like i mentioned last month um i watched it before the episode before the episode of us talking about it released and we did we did our mini review on sif pop obviously i loved it It it's great it's really 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 something special uh well you ready to start talking about some 300 movies oh yeah always all right uh real quick right up top we are going to be spoiling these movies so if you have not seen them uh, and spoilers are something you care about. These movies are fifteen, almost fifteen, and like seven years old. So yeah, Rise of Empire came out in twenty fourteen, and three hundred came out in two thousand six. Wow, it makes me feel yeah. old. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so like, look, I'm not, I'm not gonna feel bad about spoiling these. And and frankly, I think these are movies that it doesn't matter if you get spoiled; it's probably not gonna ruin your experience. Um, right. But, just had to throw that spoiler warning out there real quick. Joe, when's the, what, what's your history with these movies? Um, well, with 300, um, I remember it very fondly. I remember seeing it the first time in theaters. I think I saw it three times in theaters. I saw it first time in standard. Okay. I think the second or third time I saw it in IMAX, which is amazing. Um, probably one of the best IMAX experience I've ever had um, as far as sound design goes. And like mm-hmm. the way that like you would, you would kind of like feel um, at the same time here, the uh, Persian troops come over the mountain like like the whole place would kind of like shake um it's very effective um for this yeah. type of film also like I, I love the source material the source material is really short by the way i think it's a, around 15 to 20 pages it's not very long of a comic book um it, it's more more or less like a oh wow k- kind of readable digestible piece of art i think it's more of a piece of art than it is like an actual like great comic frank miller uh, okay. wrote and uh, did the art and then the watercolors were done by his I don't know if they're still married but his wife at the time Lynn Varley these really beautiful watercolors and uh, okay. I think it really translated in the film extremely well um, it'll be something I can elaborate more later on but uh, I've probably seen 300 like 300 times yeah. like at some point in time it was my favorite movie oh wow being being a 20 year old and, and being kind of edgelordy you're like oh this is great like these visuals are amazing and uh yeah. Just couldn't get enough of it at, at that time, but I I still think it holds up incredibly well. I think it's it, it's arguably Zack Snyder's best film, probably probably that and and probably Dawn of the Dead as his top two films. But but yeah, it'd be really yeah. hard pressed for me. 
Well, this would probably this might spoil a little bit of my thoughts on the movie, but my it my favorite Zack Snyder is going to be between Dawn of the Dead and Watchmen. So I probably just need a Dawn of the Dead rewatch at some point. But yeah, I saw this. So believe it or not, I well not believe it or not, uh, this is one of the few movies that I rented. Um, I typically am not a renting person, at least until I got to college and then I lived like literally a block away from a family video. And that was really when I started renting because I realized like, oh, renting is actually kind of not that expensive. And this is, you know, back in the days where you would go to a store and pick up a DVD or a Blu-ray, not just rent it from home. And it's it's a little cheaper than when it was your VOD stuff, like six bucks for a rental, whatever, which also isn't a bad, bad cost. So I remember very specifically, I, I, maybe I got a gift card or maybe I just decided like I'm actually going to rent. I, I did a double feature uh, one night. I watched this movie. It was at home, so it was already out on. And I remember doing this. I think this is the only movie I ever rented from the Microsoft store on my Xbox 360. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. But I vividly remember that because I watched that and then immediately watched uh, 2012, which mistakes were made (laughs) (laughs) yeah i'm not a huge fan of that movie we we, we already dabbled Uh, in the uh, disaster films i think it's like one of the worst i've ever seen it's up there yeah i mean look look, it was it was an okay experience but definitely nothing i wish to think about anymore so yeah i remember renting it just because uh my friends in high school i was 11 at the time this came out 2006 Hmm. um so i was in middle school at the time sixth grade and like all my friends in sixth grade were talk about how good this movie was uh and my friends are like the nerds that probably read the comic you know um, <laughs> but either way you know gosh this is a perfect 11 well this is not a perfect 11 year old's movie in terms of content but in terms of tone and style and all that this is a perfect 11 year old movie um so so that was kind of my experience with it and um i remember loving it when it when i first saw it i remember thinking this is an excellent movie uh, and I just don't think I've seen it until this week. Again, I don't think I ever rewatched it. It's very weird for me to watch a movie and love it and then not watch it for 15 years. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> that is, uh, yeah, that is, that is a little odd. You're right. Joe, what, uh, today, do you like this movie, love it, hate it, dislike it, or think it's just okay? Oh, I, I, st- I still actually really love it. I think it's a really terrific adaptation. Um, it, ex- it more than expands on the source material, which is which is good. Like I said, it's only... It's a short amount of pages. Uh, so it mm-hmm. actually makes me feel good about Zack Snyder's writing ability. I mean, he co-wrote, he co-wrote this. He co-wrote it with uh, Kurt uh, Johnstead, and there's three other additional writers. So he, we know nowadays that he obviously had some help writing this because like, the writing's a little too uh, clever, in my opinion, uh, from some of his, uh, his later work. So there's a lot of good dark humor in here. There's a lot of nice little one-liners here and there. A lot of the stuff's just ripped straight from the comic book, which is... Uh, no surprise, uh, Frank Miller is a very cynical person. It comes across in the in the movie pretty well. I, I think visually the movie still really stands up. It's probably the strongest point of the film. Its cinematography is is uh, is beautiful. I think Zack Snyder is a great visionary director. I don't think he's a great storyteller. And I think this is kind of like, okay. in, in my opinion, close to his magnum opus. Or like I said, we could pair this up with Dawn of the Dead. I do like Watchmen as well. I think Watchmen is, is good. It could be better. But definitely a... Mm-hmm. As good as you can get as far as making a film based around the uh, famous uh, Watchmen comic. To back up your, uh, your writer's comment, I, I mean, I don't know that there was necessarily anything in this movie that like stuck out to me dialogue-wise other than the one-liners um, I thought were, again, perfect for 
yeah, watching it with like eleven year old eyes was not. <laughs> but I think I think you probably underplayed Snyder a little bit because Kurt Johnstad, his uh, his only other real writing credits are the sequel, Three Hundred Rise of an Empire, Act oh. of Valor, and uh, Atomic Blonde, which Atomic Blonde, you know, is probably the maybe like it's pretty good dialogue heavy one. Yeah, yeah, it's decent. But you know, like Act of Valor, like there's nothing special about the writing for that movie, <laughs> and there is way less to be you know, desire or way more to be desired with the 300 sequel, which we'll talk about in a hot second. And then Michael B. Gordon is the other one. And his only other real writing credit is GI Joe, the rise of Cobra. So I think, yeah. I think you're, you're underselling Snyder's on the screenplay a little bit. <laughs> Maybe I should have looked up the other writers beforehand before, before making boasting my comment, but I still well, stand you by said, it. When you said three other people writing it, well, and it was Frank Miller and his then wife, you know, so for, graphic novel basically. well i mean so. th- i mean there you go too i mean like there's not you pretty much got the screenplay in the comic book so yeah i'm like i'm gonna i'm not gonna yeah. resend my comment like he literally had he had great source material to, to to bat to kind of boost it up and stand it up so i am gonna go ahead and say i think this movie is just okay um there is yeah, so fun. much of it that just didn't hold up for me gosh it, it's it's one of those weird things of i had a good time <laughs> Uh, kind of last week I was talking with Joseph and it, we were talking about Inspector Gadget and like that's a terrible movie but I had a really good time watching it and I don't think this is a terrible movie but I don't think this is a good movie and I had a great time watching it though so like that's the caveat is like I do think this is a very watchable movie um, but I do think it's just okay where do you want to start <laughs> you can talk about anything pretty much I mean I, I think that what makes the film uh, the type of person that makes this film it's more powerful to them is anybody who's read the source material you kind of see all the painstaking detail they put into the transitions and like it feels like a, a, t- a page turn at certain aspects especially when he's climbing the mountain to to visit yeah. the azores like he's going up the mountain and like there's this cool screen swipe that they do like they just do a bunch of stuff visually that's that's super effective i think also the casting was spot on i think that really mm-hmm. helped the film and we'll talk about how the casting worked against uh, the sequel, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. But this was like a kind of like a, a starter for like a lot of big names too, like Lena 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 Headey and like uh, of course Gerard Butler. Like Gerard Butler showed off how he's not the best actor in the world, but he's charismatic. He's yeah. he's got electricity to him. Like this this is the movie that made Gerard Butler what he is today. He had been yes. in stuff before this, but this is what yeah. gave him the Olympus Star has power. fallen gamer <laughs> gamer Greenland. sorry right. uh, sorry no, nobody's <laughs> talked about nobody's talked about gamer in 10 years except for me <laughs> i just watched it again uh pretty re- i think like last year and i was like wow this movie's super terrible but i couldn't turn it off i had to finish it so, <laughs> <laughs> so um yeah and uh so all right let's start with snyder then um there is nobody better in the business at taking panels from comic book and making them translate to literally being on the page I have one person that's okay. probably better at it. Uh, I would probably say Robert Rodriguez. Sin City okay. is like almost a one-for-one one translation of the comic. Like yeah. it's very, very specific. Like panels, I'm like, oh, you guys literally just used the comic book, and they did. That usually they they use that as a script. They didn't have an actual script. They just used the they printed out the comic book and they handed it to everybody. All right, fine. You got me there. You got me there. <laughs> I'll I'll say they're tied in my book. And we'll talk about sometime here coming up soon. We'll talk about the MCU Phase Three. We'll talk about Civil War. But like that that moment where where Cap and Iron Man come together, actually fighting, looks directly out of the comic. But most no, of the yeah. MCU doesn't look like that. 
Whereas, especially the funeral scene in Watchmen, so much of that movie looks like it's directly out of the graphic novel, you know, and then stylized to fit a, yeah. your reality, things like that. And there are so many moments in this, and I, I haven't read the 300 uh, graphic, the original comic. I haven't even got a chance to browse it, uh, but I don't know that I ever have had any interest in it. And, you know, based off what you're saying, like, I could definitely see myself, I, I'm more interested in doing the one that, um, that they based off of for the sequel, uh, just because I'm more interested in probably the story that the sequel or that the comic has to tell than it was the movie, mm-hmm. um, or at least in the way that it told it. So here we are already bagging on the sequel, but, um, <laughs> yeah, I, I just saw that. I just looked it up cause I was trying to find out how many pages exactly it was. Cause I'm just, I have the book somewhere around here. Actually, I think okay. I'm staring right at the book right now, but, uh, okay. yeah, I saw the sequel, but I was like, I'm interested in that comic. I just yeah. didn't like the film and I liked the story. I was like, but like I said, we'll, we'll get more into yeah, the, yeah. The, the, the other film. But So all that to my point with Snyder is, um, and I said this in the Watchmen podcast, I will say it again in a month when we talk about his Justice League movie. And I will say it again for sure next week when, when we do it for the coming attraction. I think Snyder is a much better cinematographer than he is a director. I think his true agree should be a cinematographer because of exactly what you said. I think that he is an excellent, excellent visual person. Uh, but in terms of storytelling, I think he, he really lacks a lot of things. Uh, it's kind of like George know, Lucas a bit, except for George Lucas way, is a good idea, man, girl, a good he, world builder. Yes. George Lucas is the guy to be story by credit, but not screenplay by credit. Not exactly. You know, and also like somebody to be like, Hey, maybe, maybe we don't do that, George. <laughs> yeah, maybe uh, we don't talk about sand and how it gets everywhere. Right. And I frankly, I think if Snyder decided to change and become a cinematographer, I mean, he frankly could be the next Roger Deakins. I 100% believe that. I think he's I, I a think master. Because so look, we, it, we we'll say, say what you want about Batman versus Superman, but it visually looks really looks nice. cool. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and I've been on the record of being like, that movie's pretty garbage to me. Uh, <laughs> but like, you know, and, and Man of Steel, like, again, say what you want about it, but it visually looks really great. Uh, and I think that this is definitely the same for this movie is that I think Snyder makes a better cinematographer than he does a director. And it's really only for one reason, because this movie doesn't necessarily like this movie is a cinematographer's wet dream. Um, this oh, is yeah, it, it's a perfect material for him. Like literally like you, you have a book and you have like a limited amount of uh, material to, to kind of go through a limited amount of dialogue. Uh, most things are visual. Right. And, and that's the most striking thing about, about the graphic novel. And uh, you kind of let somebody right. go, like Zack Snyder. You give him full reign to you know to to, yep. to to do this, and look what you got. You got some beautiful cinematography splash on the screen. Sure. So I I think that um, with you know, to the this this movie is completely uh, style over substance, and one hundred percent. I don't <laughs> I don't fault the movie for that at all. Like that's exactly the kind of movie I want out of this is a style over substance. And so I think this is, this is probably Snyder at his best work, but I, I something about the Watchmen's story. And I, and I personally like the changes they made to adapt it the way they did. Cause it's, it takes less time to explain. It's a little bit less out there. This is Snyder at his best in terms of some of the stuff, but I hate the filter of this movie and I hate the grain in this movie. It's two things that really bothered me this time watching it. Uh, Cause I'm watching it. On uh, maybe look maybe just the Blu-ray disc I have is terrible, 
Like it, it very well could be that sometimes they don't always work well. It's I have the steel book from Best Buy, and so maybe it's just bl- mm-hmm. the Blu-rays aren't necessarily always phenomenal. But I was watching it on my QLED TV in my Xbox One X, which should have upscaled it. It looked so bad. The colors were a hundred or zero. It was either super bright and in your face and sunbeams in the camera lens directly, or it was I could barely tell what was going on. I mean, I'm I'm exaggerating both of these, you know, obviously, but mm-hmm. it was there was no middle ground. This was always complete ends of the spectrum and really distracting to watch, a really distracting to get into, and. I think a movie like this does well with some grain to it because they're trying to set it. You know, they're trying to get you to feel like you're in the 400 BC Greece um, era. They're trying to get you to feel like you're in that. And so they're almost trying to make you feel like this was made a while ago and you know, not be all super hyper stylized and things like that. And not trying to make it feel all polished and pretty and all that. But the amount of grain in this movie was just so much. It made the whole picture look super blurry. I'm just you pulling out, sorry, just pulling out the book, but like, Got it. yeah, but like the grain, the way they capture that is like ridiculous. So I, 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 okay. I get what you're saying though. If you didn't look at the source story, like why does everything just look so murky and like, it looks like mud has been thrown on the screen, you know what I mean? Or dirt, but. Well, yeah. and it's, it is also like my, my other Frank Miller experiences like Sin City which is such a smooth movie, and I've and I've at least browsed through the co- through the graphic novel on that one. I don't have it, but I would mm-hmm. not mind picking it up. Um, but it's it's such a smooth, sleek style, and the the grain and the filter just everything in this movie looks orange, like not in a good way to me. So that, again, that's kind of going to the Snyder's a great director, of photography, cinematographer, but. I would not have chose either of those decisions as a director. And we'll get out of the way. I mean, there is so much slow-mo in this movie. Um, (laughs) And to a point, it is distracting. But if there's going to be one movie that I do want lots of slow-mo in, it's going to be a movie like this. And Yeah, we'll get that out of the way. Also, I think we can just get out of the way. Like There there definitely are liberties from the real story. And I'm willing to overlook it because... Because the the both Frank Miller acknowledges liberties he takes with the story for the graphic novel, as well as Snyder acknowledging that they take more liberties with the movie. It's like, look, if you acknowledge it, if you live up to it, fine. Can't fault you. Yeah, it's just it's just as it's basically an, an interpretation, you know. Yeah. Very uh, right. fantasy based. For yeah. Sure. I actually like the grain and grit to it. Like I. Okay. Yeah, because like for me, it really replicates that that visual style, and, and like you said, if you're if you haven't seen the comic, you're like, yeah, this is just way too orange. The dark, the blacks are just way too, way too dark. I can't see what's going on or, you know, it's too brown in spots. Yeah. And I, I, I totally get that um, from that standpoint, but there's just some shots where I'm like, that is like straight from the comic book. Like when he holds up his shield during the storm and the way the water is hitting it and mm-hmm. the way it's lit, it's like, that's perfect. That's a perfect one-on-one shot of that, of that page. Like, and, and 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 like you said, I I think I I I do agree. Also, I think he's like a peg below uh, Robert Rodriguez as far as like capturing the one in one type of experience of kind of like reading a graphic mm-hmm. novel. But yeah, he's definitely not too far off as as mm-hmm. far as capturing that style visually on film. Uh, you know, again, this is just my opinion and all that. And, and so I I think also maybe like, if I had experience with the graphic novel, I would probably feel differently about it. But at the same time, like so like a movie like Sin City. 
I do want that to feel like it's literally coming off the pages, but I don't know that I do 300 because Sin City is a completely fictionalized, fantasized world, not based off of any real life stories, but this is, is still at least based off of reality, based off of true stories. I almost like, I, I do want hyper stylized for a movie like this, but yeah, I would not mind if this movie looked really smooth and really sleek, but still have, you know, and still have the visuals that they, and I think there's a way that you can do that. My better experience would be if this movie felt a little bit less like the graphic novel, at least in terms of the usage of color and grain. But I've gotten a new respect for it since you know you showed me some of the some of the pages there. And look, I I I admire what he's going for. I don't know that I want to see that while watching the movie. And it, it could also be I had a terrible Blu-ray, and that it, it <laughs> I use a Blu-ray like, too. Yeah. <laughs> Well, but it could be a different Blu-ray, like you know, yeah, exactly. Be, you know, a poorly manufactured one, you know, because during a different run, like you know, it could, it could be that. I, I don't think it was though. Yeah, because it, it looked uh, it looked gorgeous on my screen. I mean, my TV's not a spring chicken anymore; it's an older Samsung. But uh, yeah, it popped in the Blu-ray, and I was like, oh, it still looks really good. It still looks these colors really pop, and like the shadows look really good. But yeah, I, I could imagine that would just like ruin your experience. It's it's almost like watching a uh, solo. Like, I can't tell what's going on in this movie. The cinematography is so murky. I can't right. tell what's going on. So, yeah, yeah. I, I, I feel you on that. Like, I, and I definitely, like I said, I don't begrudge you for your, uh, for, for your opinion on the film. Well, let's uh, talk about so- something else then. We can move on to a new, a new part of the film. Uh, what do you want to talk about next? Took a long, uh, actually, had, I probably had less notes for 300 because I just generally enjoyed it. I had a lot. Um, I usually highlight things uh-huh. in certain colors, and almost everything's in green. So, uh, which is uh, good at, uh, as far as that goes. I actually enjoy the, sure. the like I said, I enjoy the slow-mo. I, th- I think it's it's utilized uh, pretty well. It is a little too frequent in my opinion. Uh, I think I could, I could, gen- yeah. I, I could, I could hop on that. Uh, ge- I think the movie would be like 30 minutes long if they took out all the slow-mo and it ran in real time. <laughs> like it really wouldn't be that long of a film. Um, so definitely some padding with the, right. the slow-mo. Well, but you talk about they're extending a graphic novel. Yeah. Right, they're they're extending a really short comic, and uh, you know, l- like I said, if there's one movie that I do want a lot of low slow mo, a lot more slow mo in, it it's a movie like this, and like this isn't like slow mo of people standing still. This is slow mo of people in action fighting, and so like I, it made me appreciate the choreography a little bit more. So I don't I don't have a problem with the slow mo. I agree with you; it was a little too frequent, but I don't have a problem with it. I think they utilize it at at. Um... Largely, I'd say they utilize it at, at uh, really terrific moments, and it really, especially yep. when they break, they break rake, and uh, you see Leonidas yeah. fight by himself. Like that is definitely like those kind of like kind of awe inspiring moments in in cinema mm-hmm. uh, when you when you see him kind of break rake and, mm-hmm. and kind of run through uh, on his own. the The score is really terrific. I think it's really well done. I think it really accompanies what's going on yeah. on the screen really well. It's really effective. Mm-hmm. The uh, the flashbacks at the beginning are are utilized really well, kind of build up the kind of the mythology around King Leonidas and just Spartans in general, like how they're raised and how they're born. They did that super effectively, in my opinion, and uh, it, it, they really hyped up Leonidas. Where like almost like you would see in like John Wick, where you kind of like you kind of you have to high hype up your protagonists. You got to make them seem larger in life, and uh, I right. think they did a great job of that. Well, and I feel like especially before this movie, the Spartans were less like familiar with pop culture and things like that. Like people weren't as mm-hmm. familiar with them. So I, I, I agree with you. The intro was effective in terms of trying to get me to understand these people, uh, this group. So, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, but I think overall, um, 
like I said, I still think it's a it's a it's a solid film. It's it's worth a watch. Do I think it is as good as I when I initially watched it? No, of course, of course not. Like there, you know, my my film sense has been broadened since then. But uh, I definitely think it's yeah. a it's a it's a great watch. Uh, I would pop it on. I would watch it by myself, or I'd watch it with with a with a group of friends. We just have a few drinks. But the, you know, we don't um, ironically watch it because it's bad. We you know we just kind of enjoy it. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And well, and again, if you have a great cinematographer, like should be able to just do that, right? Um, yeah. yeah, the rest of my notes are pretty uh, pretty quick, I think. And it's really just this worked for me or this didn't. Xerxes' voice filter did not work for me at all. Not even a little bit. I'm not <laughs> um, a big that, fan of it either. It was something that really stood out to me this time. I get what they're going for. They're trying to really lean into the mythology of people believe Xerxes to be a god, especially when you get to the beginning of 300, Rise of an Empire, that there's the... right all that myth- but it's just like gosh this is so distracting um i really don't care about anything going on with the lena Headey and dominic west character all the like politics at home stuff i mean let's do a couple one-liners that i thought were really cool that was an um, added subplot that they added for the uh for the film i really didn't find any of it necessary and it, especially when you had such really cool actions would you like you you're really in there and you're just like i just want to spend a bunch of time with these spartans doing this and then they cut back to something that's just so uninteresting to me. <laughs> um, and, you know, switches to dialogue focus. It's like, oh, well, I just stopped thinking about this stuff and start, you know, I turned on my eyes and turned off my ears. And, <laughs> and now I got to do the opposite, essentially, you know. So we mentioned a lot of the one-liners and it's there's some amazing cinematic moments. It's, it's really hard to not at least enjoy yourself while watching this movie. Because like I said, I don't think this movie's kind of dumb in a lot of ways. Uh, this movie is pretty simplistic. This movie is really more of a piece of art in a lot of ways, but it leads to some really cool moments and I couldn't help but get giddy. I couldn't help but get excited and have a good time. So uh, one thing that really threw me off is at some point they just do a montage of a bunch of like mini bosses, essentially from the Persian army. Like, cause they have that like giant guy that winds up uh, slicing into Leonidas's face. At one point they have like, a walking talking like goat man and they have like the elephants and they have the rhinos and it's just like it's done in a montage and it's like why like especially when they get to like the <laughs> especially when they get to like the really unrealistic stuff like the you know the definitely mythological stuff because like sure i believe they used rhinos and elephants like yeah like i believe history has taught us that yes the persians used animals like these in their army but like when they get to some of the like again kind of mini bosses <laughs> it's just like what what are you doing? Why? And they're like, yeah. so the man with like knife, if he has like sword arms and it's like, yes, yes, yeah. yes. The guy with lobster arms. Yeah. His lobster arms. And he has like pegs that are stuck in the ground. It's like he's useless. He just kind of sits there and waits for, for people, for him to execute. Like, like I was like, is that his purpose? Well, and it's like, they show him and then they show him die immediately. And it's like, didn't need to show me him. Yeah. In the comic book, it, the executioner is just a guy with an ax. Like it's literally just a, just a, just a dude. <laughs> Why can you do that? <laughs> the very last note is I completely forgot Michael Fassbender is in this. This is his first big screen role. I totally forgot. He is just a straight up crazy person. He's great. But he is by far my favorite part of this movie. Like, yes, so this is metal. really what this is what defines <laughs> Gerard Butler, but the 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 point where at the very beginning where they Leonidas doesn't encounter the the first 
Persian army that comes towards the Spartans. It's, it's Fassbender's character. Yeah. And they're like, you know, we will rain fire on you with the swords. We're going to black out the sun, things like that. He's like, then we'll fight in the shade. Yeah. And then, and then when they do the whole, like, they rain the arrows on them and they, you know, all of them are protecting themselves with their shield. And he just he starts giggling. They're like, fight in the shade. Like, he's just a crazy person and by far the most entertaining part of this movie. By far the one I want to follow the most. He's so great. Yeah, I can't say anything uh, more about him being awesome in this movie. Yeah, I think it was like the first movie I ever saw him in, and I was like, "Who is this crazy person?" Like, you know, we fight alongside you, sire. Like, just comes out of nowhere and just like yells, and then Gerard Butler just kind of looks at him, just like, "All right, okay." And, and yeah, like you said, like the so whole like was- our arrows will blot out the sun that we shall fight in the shade. Like, just just lines like that. Like they they have that they sprinkle a little bit of cheese on it, but you're like, that's kind of cool though. Like it's. A little, little edgy kind of cool yeah um, they do a lot of that and most of the good lines go, yeah they do go to him like he he says some hilarious things and yeah he looks like a crazy yeah. person anyway yeah he's definitely my favorite part of this like sure this is gerard butler's movie but gosh i love me some fastbender in this i mean they, they just have a really nice supporting cast like i think they they work really well with one another um they really felt like a like an actual unit like those those four or five main actors they really felt like they were like friends and companions yeah. like i feel like it, it really worked and they did it with like really limited dialogue it was a lot of a lot of body language a lot of like uh, a lot of physical acting i love the scene where right. they're they're cleaning up the, they're cleaning up the bodies and just kind of like making sure that people are dead and whatnot you know they're just kind of like making the rounds and he's like there's no reason why we can't be civil <laughs> he's eating an apple you know what i mean just like just lines <laughs> like that it cracks me up like they like uh yeah. they not so gently rip you um, out of moments on purpose like <laughs> Well, and, and it really shows in their combat. And that's really the last note I have about this is just, I love seeing the combat strategy here. Like when we're, when we first see the Spartans fight and they have that formation where they have like just everybody lined up with shields and shields and spears. It's just hold, 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 hold everybody at once stab, come back to hold. And then they push forward everybody at once stab and come back. And it's just like, this is how you do it. Like, it's probably there, the most accurate aspect of the film, to be honest. There's an endless wave of Persians coming after them, and they're just like, all right, one at a time. Ready? Here we go. All right, whoop. All right, there we go. Ready? And it's just like, <laughs> it's, it's so fascinating to watch, and you understand you understand immediately how connected all of these people are. And like the combat the, the combat strategy in this is just I love it. Yeah, it's great. Uh, anything anything we missed? Anything we haven't touched on yet? Uh, I mean, we covered a lot. All right, well, let's do it. Let's talk about 300 Rise of an Empire, because we have to. Yeah. Uh, what's, your, what's your history with this one? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> try, to, try to think here. Like, when I first... I think I saw this. Uh, we, we, you know, we, we talked about Redbox for a little bit. I think I actually rented this on Redbox. Um, I remember seeing the trailer for this initially, and I'm just like, this just seems like this doesn't need to exist. Uh, there's no source material for mm-hmm. it. I think it's just going to be a cash grab, and I really think that is exactly what it was. Uh, and it was a little too late. When yeah. I say a little too late, I'm really exaggerating here. I'm being facetious. Uh, I think it. I think it didn't. Uh, it didn't ride the wave like it should have. The movie kind of borders on parody at yeah. times. Yeah I, yeah. I. I mean, spoiler here. I hate it. I think it's. I think it's a pretty awful film overall. Uh, I think it's. Okay. It, it tries to one up the film in its like dark tone, but it's almost like comedic mm-hmm. and, and kind of offensive. <laughs> Not too high on this film. Yeah. So yeah, first things first, this is an exact, exact example of too little too late because you don't have 
Gerard Butler returning at all, which apparently they had like offered it to him um, to return. Um, since this is a both prequel and midquel and sequel, they had offered him to yeah. reprise his role. But you don't have your lead character or really any characters except for Lena Headey, who's in it for all about like sixteen seconds. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, and then the the Hunchback and Xerxes, who again are pretty much not in most of this movie. Um, so you have you have the the change in that you don't even. I mean, you have Snyder returning to write, but you don't have Snyder returning to direct. Um, so you lose, you lose that uh, as well. And again, this is 2006 to 14. I mean, this is an eight year gap, probably even a five year gap would have been too long. Like the only way this actually works is if it's can still ride that wave. Like you were talking about like a two year gap. Um, this is definitely an example of too little, too late. I did see it. I think I streamed it like right about the time that it came out, like on a home release and all that. And, um, I was like, look, this is fine, but this is not something I really desire to go back and watch again. And uh, not really anything I yeah, care to see again. But I do think this is okay. And uh, watch it this time, and no, I'm I'm going to be pretty strong in the dislike this camp. And I had even lower expectations watching it this time. It's just, some of the combat stuff is okay. Like, I do like the fighting on sea kind of stuff, but most of this movie just doesn't work. Uh, for lots of different reasons, and yeah. uh, I we have to start here. How is it that eight years later the CGI is so much worse? I, that's like, actually <laughs> that was in my notes when I was watching. I was like, the CGI is awful in this film. Look, I hate CGI. Positing like terrible too. Right. <laughs> Look, I, I I hate CGI blood, but for the style of the original three hundred, it kind of worked. Yeah, but. There, they it somehow got so much worse in Rise of an Empire, and they use so much more of it. So much more. It, it's just it's so over the top. Now I do think part of it is I think this was released in 3D, and they wanted it. Yeah. They wanted to capitalize on 3D effects, but no, <laughs> just just no. I, yeah, I had a feeling when I when I watched it, I was like, oh yeah, this is during the 3D craze. I was like, this this definitely looks like this was filmed for 3D, or at least like in post it was yeah. filmed for 3D. You know what I mean? Like they had the intent. It had to have been in post because this entire movie was shot in a sound soundstage. Yeah, it, like like you said, I don't know how it got worse, but it, it literally did. Um, as as far as the visuals well, go, here's here's the thing. I told you that last night, me and my wife watched Transformers, a movie from 2007. That CGI is still incredible. Yeah, it was mind-blowing for back in the day, and it's still super impressive. And th- that came out a year after 300. How did Transformers it came out in 2007? How is it that a movie seven years later has, with Rise of an Empire, I think still had a big budget, like because the first one was such a success. Like, obviously, it didn't have Transformers money, but it had more money than the first one, because I think they made the yeah. first one on a total of like, I want to say thirty-five million, and they were hoping to get seventy out of it, and they got like two hundred in the first week. <laughs> yeah, it's just a mind-blowing hit. But so they had to have gotten more money for the second one. It's like, how do you like again? Talk with Joseph last week. Inspector Gadget cost ninety million dollars to make. It's like, where did all that money go? I feel yeah. the same way about this movie. Well, actually, I'm pretty sure I know where it went. It went to Evergreen Salary, and rightfully so, because this is my one positive about this movie. Um, you said we were going to talk about some of the acting, and we can dish on anybody except for Evergreen because. I love her in this role and it's because she's just owning it and she's just having fun with it. And you can tell that she is just having the time of her life 
and it it really shows and i had a good time watching her um she is definitely the brightest spot in this film oh she's uh like 100 percent the standout she's way more interesting than the actual protagonist like a million times i think she's a really great actor and a great performer i think she gets incredibly typecasted in these kind of like i'm the kind of seductress kind of sultry person i'll stab you in the back like that's like her that's like her mo but i think overall she's a she's Mm -hmm. a really great actor she has a she has a good look um she she i mean maybe that's maybe Mm -hmm. that's why she has like a very like mischievous almost sinister type of look to her she looks she looks hardened especially in this film and uh you get why in the backstory why she is the way she is and like oh i yeah i know why she has a chip on her shoulder i would have a chip on my shoulder too like I hate everybody. Like this right. world has done nothing but torment me um, from, from the get go. And I, you know, and I hate, yeah. you know, I hate Greece and, and you totally get that, but you have a protagonist to just fall completely flat. Like you, you go from Gerard Butler, who's incredibly charismatic and, and knows how to use that to, to his advantage to, I forgot what this actor's name is. Uh, I think I have it up here. Sullivan Stapleton. He's just completely forgettable. Uh, he plays Themistocles, and they even build him up too pretty well. I feel like they build him up pr- pretty well. Like he, yeah, he shot a single arrow and he uh, a marathon yeah. and, and killed Darius. It's like this really cool scene. It's probably one of the cooler scenes in the in the film as well. That and you you mentioned the ship. The ship fighting's actually yeah. really excellent, especially when they uh, that first triumphant battle they have and they're smashing their ships into the other ships. I'm like, I guess that's where the budget went. It went all to that because this looks great. And nothing else really <laughs> looks like that. It never lives up to that. Any after that, it's kind of all downhill from there. But yeah, I think Evergreen is definitely the uh, the light in this uh, complete darkness uh, abyss that this film is uh, for yeah. me. Yeah, I, I I agree. I think Sullivan Stapleton is just who the crap is this guy? And, like <laughs> I I never heard I haven't heard of him before or after this movie, and I don't care. Like it's not even one of those like oh wow he's a really underappreciated no. Like, no, not nothing about this movie is special except for Evergreen. And you were talking about I. There are some really there are some mildly cool sequences in this movie. Um, you talk about the ships running into each other, like that's a really cool sequence. The beginning with the firing the aerial killing Darius, like pretty cool sequence. Um, all that. My favorite sequence in this movie is the scene where the Greeks get whooped. Where the persons just absolutely annihilate them. Oh, uh, with the uh, is it the uh, the follow up battle, right? Yeah, yeah, I, I like that it's, juxtaposition too. It's just like that's my favorite sequence of the movie. It's my favorite uh, scene of the movie, and but but still, it pales in comparison to even the like l- most least interesting stuff of the fighting in Three Hundred. Uh, right, you know, because like I don't think there's any thing you know the the worst part of the fighting in 300 is when they have the mini boss montage but and like i'll still take that over the the scene where the greeks just get whooped in in rise of an empire and like it's just it's just that's the level of quality we're talking about right um this is significant quality dip uh and i mentioned we were going to talk about it later we talked about it earlier uh the biggest problem with this movie is that I just don't care about any of these characters, and there's a million of them. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, we were talking about with uh, with the favorite things about movie, like the components that have to work best. We were talking about it with uh, when we were talking about the the honeydew, and like I do, I do not care about any character in this movie <laughs> except for Artemisia. Is that her name? Evan yeah, I think that's her. Na- I think that's her name. 
because the original title is 300 Battle of Artemisia. So, oh, is that uh, what the original title was called? Yeah, and then they changed. Oh, no, it was originally supposed to be called Xerxes, and then it was supposed to be 300 the Battle of Artemisia. And then when they released a trailer, they changed it to Rise of an Empire. For a while, it was known as Battle of Artemisia. So, uh, so like I, I just don't care about it. And what like we were talking about in the first 300, we like Leonidas. Uh, we like the Fastbender character. We like the the General's son character. The General is a really cool. Character. I like, him. like I like all these characters I'm introduced to. Like. I yeah they, they seem like friends they, they they seem like they hang out all the time they seem like you know they the equivalent of like you know weekend barbecues whatever you know Spartans right. do you know when they hang out but I like them both individually as well as a group and yeah. I don't like any individuals or groups in the Rise of an Empire I don't I just don't, <laughs> I don't care, care. I, I don't care about any of them and that's the movie's biggest flaw and I think everybody in this movie knows that this is just a cash grab. <laughs> Yeah, like a uh, familiar face that I saw, and I was like, oh, I didn't realize he was in this film. Uh, I don't know the actor's name very well, but you see him everywhere. He always plays like a heavy or a villain, is uh, Callan Mulvey, and he plays uh, Skrillius, or, uh, you know, I, sorry, I can't pronounce the name, but, uh, and he's just like, he's decent as an actor, but you're like, I don't care about him. When he died, I was like, I could really care less. And his son, too. They try to have that juxtaposition, too, with like having the father son relationship in this, too. And it doesn't work at all. I just yep. really do not care about either one of them. Yeah, I thought he was fine. Uh, I, th- I think his character was the closest I got to liking somebody besides Eva Green's character, but or Ava. I think it's Ava Green's character, but the Artemisia. It still wasn't enough. I almost wish he was our main character. Yeah, me too. Um, I thought he had more charisma. I thought he had kind of an. Uh, he's like that that dad that's like he seems like a hard ass, but he's like. He's he's a little softy, you know what I mean? Like he's just looking out for the best yeah. interests of his son. And I was like, hey, cool. I was like, you're. I, I get what your uh, your motivation is, you know, as a performer. I, I get what your character's doing. You're physically imposing. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think he could have easily been the the lead of this film, and it might have been slightly better. Well, and so so let's think about all right. So the way the movie is structured right now, it's the Themistocles character. I mean, this is really Artemisia's movie. Um, she's it, it's I think her, probably it's has the most screen time. Yeah. Yeah. I think she has the most screen time, but it's she's preparing to just attack the Greeks with everything that they have. And you have this Themistocles character that's trying and failing every step of the way uh, until the very end. Uh, but it, there's nothing special about it. There's not even necessarily anything heroic. We don't get those hoorah moments like we do with uh, Leonidas. So why not go ahead and just take a new spin on this franchise? And because with the character that you're talking about, the Cycles or something, Sicilies, something like that, uh, he's a spy. Like on the, on the first scene we met, I'm like, give me, give me a spy movie. That'd be cool. Yeah. And, and and it's a really good introduction for him too, because he's not like a super well-known actor. So you're like, is this guy just going to just die right now? Is like there, right. there was tension there. Like you know, it, you know, most of the time when you watch these type of movies, if a spy gets found out, they're they're not getting out of it alive. But it was kind of cool. Like right, he was just fighting. That was also another cool action sequence. Like he was fighting with simply a dagger, and he dives off the boat as mm-hmm. arrows are like plummeting towards him. And the he gets like mm-hmm. this really, like you said, he gets a cool Darius moment. But that's it. Like there's nothing else to him. Oh, and he loves mm-hmm. Greece. He keeps he keeps talking about how he wants to unite Greece, and everyone just keeps slamming a door in his face. I thought that was kind of funny. Gorgon's like, "Yeah, nah, you can leave. Yeah. You could go." I agree. 
I agree. Uh, I I have one more note about this. I had so few notes because I honestly I lie, for I most of the hilarious. second half of this movie, I was just <laughs> yeah, for most of the second half of this movie, I was just playing on my phone, or scrolling Twitter. Where I was engaged in uh, in a conversation on Twitter with some of the other hip hop writers. Is just like, I was so much looking forward to whatever I was going to do next after watching this movie. Yeah, that's always um, a good indication. It, it just was that kind of thing, I, you know. I, right, so. The only other note is just that it's um, I, I do like the filter better in this movie. Um, I do kind of like how the the cool color tones shine in this movie. Um, and I, it's it's clearly because this is primarily a water based movie, at least in the fight sequences, and so they want to kind of reflect right. that. But I do kind of like the blue color tone, um, the cool colors, and I, I I think I prefer cool colors as my preferred like color palette. And you know, I I thought it worked. I thought it worked well for me. Yeah, and think, it definitely wasn't. This movie was not grainy at all. No, they kind of so. they just flat out dropped that. Which you know, for some people, like for me, I was like, I'm a little. This just seems like a regular movie to me at this point without that type of grain. But from your standpoint, you know, you're probably like, I can see a yeah. little more, some more clarity. Yeah, I like the the cool color tone. Uh, I think, it, like you said, I think it worked really well due to the fact that most of, most of the action takes place on boats and in the ocean. Uh, so that worked out really well. Um, I got some notes here. Another thing I found really disappointing was it kind of like really, but 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 now that I think about it, I actually I kind of like this fact. It was a negative at first, but I think it's kind of a positive. The, the fact that <laughs> that Xerxes' origin story, you're just like he's just kind of he's like he's a false king, really. Like he's just like you know, what I mean, he just doesn't really amount to much or do anything. Like literally, like sure. he, he's somebody's pulling his strings, and when you find out who's pulling his strings, you're like, okay, that's that's cool. That's like. That's like a 4D chess move that you just pulled right now. Like you have this king where everybody hates him and thinks he's well, a god and you could you could manipulate things in the background. Uh that was first a negative. It, it almost even cool. detracts it uh, to me, it detracts his power as a villain from the first movie. It makes because him look he's so weak. overshadowed by Artemisia in this one. Yes. It does. It makes him weak. So, so for the second film it, it works, but for the first film, I feel like when you watch the first film again, you're like you're you're a nobody uh oh yeah then the uh, the other funny thing i want to bring up mm-hmm. at the very end of the film i don't know if you notice this but the spartans are all wearing black they have black bottoms and they have black capes instead of the traditional red capes uh as a, a signifier of mourning king, Leon, uh, king leonidas and the brave 300 and you're like that's not a thing in spartan or, culture they don't do that <laughs> or is it foreshadowing to Zack Snyder's Black Superman in Zack Snyder's Justice League? <laughs> <laughs> he was thinking that far ahead. He's a genius. But I just thought my my wife pointed yeah. out because I saw I saw you see Gordo and she's she wearing she's wearing all black. You're like, okay, that's that's fine, but that's really not the color of Spartans. Like they literally wore red because it covered up the the color of blood, right? And it was the most intimidating right. color that they could, they could come up with uh, at the time. But it, mm-hmm. I just started laughing. I was like, they're, they're wearing black underwear. <laughs> they changed their underwear. <laughs> it was just, it, to me, it was silly. Like, yeah. those moments, like ugh. If you've not seen this movie, then just skip it. Uh, but yeah, the first, the first one's a good time for sure. Check out the first one. Yeah. You, you don't have to watch this movie. Yeah. No, I think, I think for sure, if you've never seen the first one or even if it's been a while, like, yeah, this is still a good movie. If you, if you haven't seen that, I'd for sure recommend it. And if you haven't seen it in a while, like, yeah, you know what kind of mood you're going to 
being like when I was trying to describe what this movie is to my wife, the first one I was just like, it's just a bunch of shirtless dudes fighting with swords. Like that's what it is. Yeah. That's what it like, is. Okay. Like, sure. I guess you can convince me to watch that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But def- definitely regard, you know, just, just stay away from the second one at all for, at all costs. It's not worth your time. It's not worth your money. Well, I actually paid for it too. I was like, you know, I, I, I like this. I like this podcast, and and I like writing for Sif Pop. I was like, I'll, I'll take I'll take the hit on this. I'll I'll pay for this to, to rent it really quick. <laughs> Luckily, you rented it instead of buying it. Yeah, I had a good time watching it because it was just so it was so terrible. I had a lot of notes to write on it, so it was right. Well, and the other thing too is this is a completely unnecessary movie. Uh, it's not even like uh, you know the first one ended with like a hey we we ha- we have to first one is is a contained story. Yes. Um, like it's not even one of those like all right and so like you know we're kind of open to the idea of doing a future we've left it open ended for reasons no oh, it's just like this movie's just like first one made money so let's let's go try to make money again yeah and do all the different things and it's just it just didn't work so can we also talk about like like one last thing the way this movie ends so abruptly <laughs> and awkwardly like they try to replicate what they did in the first movie, but what the first movie was powerful because you know the outcome, right? Because you yep. you see you see the Spartans standing with when they when they pan out, you see all of Greece, and you're like, it doesn't it doesn't take a smart person to be like, oh, all of Greece is united, they're going to win this fight. Like that's the whole point of the film is like spurring that being the martyrs to kind of spur off this this kind of rebellion uh, against the Persians. So, like you said. A completely unnecessary sequel because they already allude that they're they're going to they're going to crush them. You know what I mean? If 300, 300 of the best warriors you know fought their best, all of Greece should just crush them. You know, it doesn't take a smart person, doesn't take a, a tactician at that point to uh, to come to that. How about we just cut out like the last like five ten minutes of the second film and and put in the last five minutes of the first film. And just put it at the sec end of the second. <laughs> it, it might even raise up the movie yeah. like a point. Like, <laughs> <laughs> with all that in mind, any any last words before we move on? Uh, I I think we can move on. I think I think we uh, I think we we kick the dead horse too much. I think it's <laughs> look, we should we should just we should just let it go. It's 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 not a we great movie. Don't watch it if you if you have an urge to watch any type of uh, three hundred uh, type of material. Uh, definitely fold yeah. to the first one and read the comic if you, yeah. you know, if you're so inclined to do so. Well, and like you were talking about, you could see the first 300 is even be one of those invite the guys over, have a couple brewskis, you know, watch it. But no, that doesn't apply for the second one. No, so. it'll be a sad time. It'll be a bad party. Yeah. Yep. So uh, as a reminder, next month we will be talking about Zack Snyder's justice league uh, during the SIF topic. Um, so there's your, one month notice for four weeks from now we'll be talking about that so actually five because there's a there's an extra week in or there's an extra wednesday in march so five weeks five wednesdays from now we'll be talking about Zack snyder's justice league and uh there you go so brace yourself for that four hour movie and uh speaking of four hour movies the b plot this week is from joseph um joseph asks what are some movies that you have to watch in multiple sittings. Now, you and I were kind of talking about this a little bit beforehand. I have three. How many do you have? Looks like I have six. Okay, so um, I'm so I'll I'll let you start. But I think uh, as we were talking, I think we I had to adapt this question to a way because both of us 
we're saying that neither we don't watch in multiple sittings um, unless it's like a scheduling conflict. Unless it's like a, I have an hour and a half, but I want to watch this movie, so I'll do the hour and a half, and then I'll, you know, have dinner or have that thirty-minute Zoom meeting or whatever, and then finish it up. But you know, if you have the three and a half hours to sit down and watch it, both of us are probably just going to sit down and watch it. Right. Right. I think that's what we were talking about. So, um, so I decided to. I have three movies, and kind of like what I did last month when we were talking about movies that I don't like that I own and I kind of said I'm going to pick five examples of why I'm kind of going to do the same thing here but it's not going to be anywhere near as in-depth or as thought out as that was so (laughs) since you have six I'll let you go we'll do a back and forth you go one I'll do one and then we should be probably you might have to do two at the end so so yeah let you kick us off what are one of the movies you have to watch in multiple sittings uh it's funny because it uh, it actually relates to what we're we're talking about for the main topic is uh I put Batman versus Superman Dawn of Justice uh the ultimate edition um, I don't. Okay. I don't really like the theatrical cut that much. I, I think. I think the ultimate edition is is fine. It's a it's a movie that has kind of fixed some of its plot holes, but you know it, it's fine. It's still a little clunky. But yeah, it usually takes me a couple of times to watch it. I'll probably watch like the first hour and be like, uh, I'm gonna go fold some clothes. I'm gonna go do some housework. And uh, if, if I'm thinking about doing other things like that, it's probably indication that it's really not a great film or not impactful to me. So. That, that was the one of the top ones on okay. my list. I'm going to sure. pass over to you. Uh, uh, the first the first example I'm going to pick is, I'm going to use this as a placeholder. I'm going to say The Godfather. And this is really a placeholder for one of a ton of different movies. And it really comes down to these are just long and relatively slow paced. Uh, it's a very dialogue driven movie. And when there are action sequences, it gets intense. Uh, and I really like The Godfather. I like The Godfather Part 2 significantly more than I do the first one. But uh, I, agree. I would say the same thing goes with The Godfather Part 2. I was talking with Joe before the show. I was like, I would like. I think I was going to put The Irishman for this. But like, I don't really want to watch The Irishman again. So you know, I, I think I think this is like rewatches. You know, but but like this like Seven Samurai does not count here because um, that's a relatively fast paced movie. I think, but movies that are deliberately not fast uh anything you know anything like that so the godfather godfather part two um i think could qualify uh if you're somebody likes the irishman something like that could qualify uh movies that just aren't concerned about trying to make a three and a half hour movie feel any less than what it is and so it's it's not a knock towards the movie it's just i have a hard time sitting down and paying attention especially like it's different playing video games where i'm like engaging my mind and you know, usually communicating with people and at least moving my thumbs and, and things like that. But, uh, and, and it's, it's not, I got to stop it and go, it's more so like I need to be able to take mental breaks while the movie is still going, you know, go unload the dishwasher, you know, while it's playing in the room next to me or, uh, you know, catch up on Twitter real quick or just little mental breaks here and there. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah that's a good one. Yeah. Usually a lot of Scorsese films, Sure. Or, or like that, the little slower in pace. Um, yeah, yeah. Actually, I have seven summer on here, and this is mainly due to like it's usually due due to time. Like if something comes up or I have something scheduled, yep. I actually feel I begrudgingly have to step away. I, I want to be locked in and watch the entire film, but you're just like, oh, I got to do this, I got to do something. So th- th- that's a good thing in this case uh, with its length, and like you said, it it moves pretty briskly. It has a good pace to it, and, and it uh, we, we talked about characterization earlier. And this this movie has so much character, um, and so many 
so many uh, unique characters that make up the seven. Like you really care about each one of them. I, I love I love these type of movies with yeah. the the ensemble cast. There's another film done by uh, Takeshi Miike um, that's kind of an ode to this. It's called the uh, Thirteen um, Thirteen Assassins, um, and it's very Kurosawa like. But mm-hmm. uh, I love these type of films because like they build up these characters, and you know that most of them are going to die. And when each one of them get picked off one by one, yeah. you feel something. It hits you in the chest every time you're like, it, it makes you want to audibly say no every time they uh, they die. But uh, yeah, I, I digress. But yeah, this is one of those movies I, I have to get pulled away from because it's just too long in length. I got, I have life things to, to deal with, but yeah. Right, right. Well, and I think, I think movies that have an intermission card in the middle of it do get, do get an exception, you know? And I think, Frankly, like for my physical health too, like I shouldn't sit down and watch a three and a half hour movie. I should take a pause when it has an intermission, go walk the dog and come back. That would yeah. be, that'd be a wise thing for me to do. Good use of time, stretch uh, your legs. <laughs> yeah, exactly. For my second example, I'm going to go with Pearl Harbor. Um, the reason why I go for Pearl Harbor is the reason why I picked this is because the Pearl Harbor is two different movies. Um, now, I don't think I've seen this since back in the VHS days, whether it was on two tapes. And so I think that was kind of perfect, um, perfect way to describe this. I think Pearl Harbor is two different movies in one. I think this is first half, kind of a little bit of the, uh, you know, a little bit of a rom-com stuff going on, a little bit of love triangle stuff going on, and then the attack on Pearl Harbor. And the second half is just straight up love triangle CW drama and essentially USA, 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 right? Um, and I kind of like, at least, I guess it's been a while since I've seen this, but at least that Pearl Harbor attack scene, I think is excellently done. But I also almost feel like with that movie, like at that point where you have to switch the VHS tapes, I almost just don't think I want to watch the second half of the movie. So I'm I'm almost cheating. (laughs) This is, this is like, no, that's that's good. This is, this is me saying that full metal jacket would be another great example. Just turn off, like to me, I might just turn off the movie when they get, when they're done with training camp, uh, like find a spot that feels like a good can stop and like, cool, great movie. And like, if I want to watch the second half, I don't think the second half of full metal jacket is bad by any means. Uh, it's just but, so uh, different though. It is very different. Right. Right. Um, so, you know, watch that first half and be like, okay, do I want to continue? Sure. Like, right. yeah. And you can think of several, I'm sure you can think of several different examples, but that like choosing to see a movie as two or three different movies and choosing to, to separate them out. I think, uh, I think is kind of the second category for me. I'll throw it back to you. Uh, it, it's funny. Cause I actually have one uh, like this too. Uh, Braveheart, which also came in two different mm. teams. Um, I, I, I love, I love Braveheart. Um, but yeah, I think the whole act of like having to switch tapes, especially during that time. And I think, I think the fact that my, um, my uncle religiously watched this movie like all the time. Like he rotated like three or four movies like this, along with Scarface, along with Fast Times mm-hmm. Ridge Mahai and a couple of films. Uh, I think it just kind of grown tired over time. And if, if I'm watching it, I'm like, Oh, it's cool. I saw a couple scenes. I, I, I can step away now. I know how this movie ends. You know, I've seen it a billion times. I don't need to sit through the entire thing. Uh, I, I could just watch the greatest hits and then that's just kind of, kind of take off a little bit. But yeah, that, that, that that's my uh, third pick. Yeah. Uh, my third and final pick is just going to be, and again, this is a placeholder, but I'm going to say Schindler's List. And it's for the reason of if a movie is so heavy emotionally, uh, if a movie um, can do that to you, sometimes I need to pause 
and I need to get up and I need to walk around and I need to stretch and I need to both reflect on the weight of things uh, as well as just be prepared to continue to go on. It's really hard watching Schindler's List in one sitting, partly because it's a three-hour movie, but also partly because it is just dark for so three hours. Like it's it's heavy. It is. It would be impossible. I think it would be impossible to sit down and watch this movie in one sitting and not not cry three or four different times. Right. Um, so I feel like I don't. Especially like I feel like probably a good point to stand up and walk around a little bit is with the reveal of the the girl in the red coat on the cart. I think like that's a good point to be like, okay, right, I need to stop. <laughs> I need to get up. I need to move around a little bit. You know, again, maybe take the dog for a walk. Uh, maybe uh, do something. It's just, just so emotionally straining. I, I could not imagine seeing that movie in theaters. I, no, no, I guess, not, not, a, not at all. Like, yeah. And, 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 and this laughing is nervous, uh, nervous laughter and just uncomfortable uh, type of laughter, yeah. you know, on, on my part. But yeah, the movie has a ton of weight and it's, it's, uh, it's one of those movies like you watch a movie once every five years. Uh, sure that's that's kind of how how i play it uh, i think this would be a good double feature or uh depending on your perspective with uh grave of the fireflies because they, they both deal with very yeah. similar subject matter and yeah if you want to just well, ruin your entire weekend, longer movie <laughs> yeah if you want to ruin your entire weekend right? you do that double feature and uh, destroy you well and you know again schindler's list is not the only example and i don't i don't even think that films that you know this is not just necessarily i've listed long films because it's easier to, but I, I think the same thing of Passion of the Christ. That is a hard movie to watch yeah, in one it's, sitting, it's and just yeah. So so weighty movies that really drain this drain your uh, make that really drain your your energy and right. and kind of put you in that place. Yeah. So cool. Uh, so you should have two more, I think, and I have done more. Yeah, I put um, uh, Lord of the Rings: The Extended Cuts. I mean, for pretty obvious reasons, they're they're, they're just so long, uh, and. and not all the scenes are necessary, but it's kind of like once you see those scenes for the first time, like, oh, that's cool. The little extended scenes, that's cool. Uh, it's a nice thing to kind of run in the background and, and parties and whatnot if you guys are doing other, other things. But it's definitely a movie where I don't need to sit down the entire time uh, for the extended cuts. The original cut, yeah, I, I'm locked in. And they're, the editing is terrific. Yep. Uh, everything's really well done. But for the extended cuts, like, it, they're just nice to put on in the background and uh, experience like, a couple of times. And then the sure. uh, I'll, I'll, I'll run into uh, to another one right now to uh, uh, Blade Runner twenty forty nine just for for the for similar reasons uh, for 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 Seven Samurai like I'll have something to do or I have to go to sleep and I'm like all right I don't really want to pull myself away from this because I'm really locked in into to this world building I really like the story uh, I just don't have time right now to kind of to, to kind of parse that but yeah uh, th- those those yeah. are the two additional ones that I had and I also had. Uh, I'll just go into the third one really quick um, and not really talk about it much. I think we already covered this uh, enough and beat the dead horse uh, Thor dark world. I just think it's a completely uninter- un- uninteresting movie. And the three times I've tried to watch it, it was really rough. It, it's always rough every time I have to watch it. So yeah, that's, that, that's what I got on my end. I was not expecting, not expecting just a movie is so bad, but you're watching. I wasn't expecting that. I, I, every time uh, I have to watch to it me, too. <laughs> Because to me, my thought is, I just want to power through this. Like, if if it is, you know, if I'm watching, uh, you know, the, I don't know, for some reason, the, the Rocky Rise of an Empire, and Rocky, no, and, 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 and Rocky Five comes out. Like, no, nah, I, I want to power through this. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, I 
I, I get where you're coming from, though, for sure. Cool. Well, one last thing here before we wrap up, and that's the spinoff. Joe, what's that one thing in pop culture that you really want to tell everybody to watch? You know, ideally, you know, instead of instead of Three Hundred Rise of an Empire, watch this, or you know, just something to stay <laughs> away. Like, hey, like Three Hundred Rise of an Empire. Also, maybe don't waste your time on this. What's what is that? What is that one thing in pop culture that you want to do? Uh, yeah, I got I got like uh, three things right here as far as watch stuff. Uh, I don't know if I've ever, ever mentioned it before. I think I mentioned it in passing. Uh, Vinland Saga on Amazon Prime. It's a anime series based off Vikings during mm-hmm. the during one of the more tumultuous times in their history, um, as far as them invading uh, England. Also, I mean, of course, WandaVision. Uh, it's a it's a wonderful show. It's 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 dark. It's funny. It's uh, heartwarming at times and heart wrenching at the same time. It's it, it, the writing's excellent. Um, actually, far far more than I thought it was actually going to be as far as writing goes. Uh, and then also Age of Samurai, uh, Battle for Japan, the uh, docu series on on uh, Netflix. Uh, those are the three things I um, recommend to watch. Sweet. Mine is going to be one thing, but two part. Uh, but you did mention the the Viking anime one when we were talking about TV stuff because I was like, oh yeah, I'm not into anime, but I could get into that. Yeah, I, I think I think you enjoy uh, the so. uh, enjoy the aspects of it. Yeah. Yeah, I'll probably get it on do it at some point. Uh, mine is kind of two parts, and it's because I finally, finally, finally got around to watching the Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, Kimmy versus the Reverend interactive mm-hmm. special on Netflix. Uh, have you ever seen Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt? No, I should though. I heard I've heard nothing but good things. Uh, I got to catch up on some TV, but yeah, I've heard good. I've heard sure. really good things. I mean, created by Tina Fey, and it shows. Uh, she's a comedic genius. Ellie Kemper is just stellar in the role as is carol kane as is every actor uh, actor actress in this show Uh, i really i really think that uh that this show is something special by far my favorite theme song from any sitcom there's ever been um (laughs) it's just so catchy because it's a it's an auto-tune the news uh (laughs) one of those kind of things and but they make it their theme song it's just so catchy uh and like look the office theme song isn't great and you know uh it's only you only think it's great because you like the show <laughs> um you're like yeah, it, is a good one yeah. um and, and scrubs is fine but partly because it's short but uh you know by far the the best theme song for a a sitcom i've ever seen this is this is such a delightful show, and so you have you have to have seen the show in order to watch the interactive special. That's why I'm saying this is kind of a two parter. Um, so if you haven't ever seen the show, I would really recommend doing it. And if you have seen the show but for some reason haven't gotten to the interactive special like I have, like for real, it's so good. It it is so creative in some of the things that it does. It is just r- ridiculous, and like so uh, some of the things that they even do, like they straight up troll the viewer. Um, the the person that's doing it. So like, I I'll just give something away here. Is that you know how Netflix has that skip intro button? Which by the way, when I was watching Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, I never wanted that skip intro button because it's only like three seasons, maybe four seasons. They're like ten episodes a piece. It's not a terribly long show. And again, it's the best best theme song for a, for a half hour comedy. So I never once, but for some reason, out of habit, I hit the skip intro button. As soon as I pushed it, I regretted it because like, no, I wanted to hear it. <laughs> but, but they wind up trolling you because like, you try to skip the intro. Well, guess what? You get an extended version now. And so they play like a three minute long. Oh, and it's like, cool. I'm, just, I'm so here for it. So like they do things like that to kind of troll the audience and, and lots of, lots of, lots of fun things. It's uh Daniel Radcliffe in a role like I've never seen him in. Johnny Knoxville somehow makes an appearance in in, <laughs> in the uh, 
in the thing. And like, by the way, the show itself has some really A-list guest stars, like David Diggs, fresh out of the Hamilton was in it for a season. And lots of, lots of uh, Fred Armisen was in it for a while. Like this is a, I really like the show. And I'm just, if you haven't seen the show, watch it. If you have, but didn't know there was an interactive special that was kind of the conclusion to Kimmy's story, then check that out. Well, on that note, that's a wrap. So quick reminder, Hip Hop Writers Room is part of Studio DNA Network. You can check out other great shows at studiodna.media or by visiting studio or by searching Studio DNA in your podcast player. If you're interested in writing for sifpop.com, you want to get in contact with us, maybe send us a question to explore during the B-plot, then you can email us at writersroom at sifpop.com. You can also get in contact with me on Twitter at Schweitcastle or check out on my movie opinions on Letterboxd, also at Schweitcastle. Uh, if you want to support the show, help out with some costs with people out of pocket, such as fees, equipments, and rentals, you can Venmo me at Schweitcastle, or you can DM me uh, on Twitter, and I can get you alternate payment methods. And uh, please don't forget to leave us a review on iTunes. I know a lot of you listening on Apple Podcasts really helps out the show more than you, you'll know. It really helps uh, get us some legitimacy as well as some publicity. Uh, and uh, that's that's all the ways you can connect with me, help out with the show, things like that. Joe, what about you? Where can people go? And uh, give you all their anime opinions and, and give you new ones to watch that maybe you haven't heard of before. Yeah. Yeah. You can find me on, uh, on Instagram at the, uh, the star spangled Avenger underscores after each one of the, uh, the words given. Uh, yeah. We talk about movies, anime, uh, you know, I'm a man of many interests and, uh, yeah, that's where you can find me. Nice. Well, uh, that'll do it, Joe. As always, it's been a pleasure talking to you. Oh yeah. Always. We'll, uh, We'll do it again in about a month, and uh, we'll talk some Zack Snyder's Justice League. And in the meantime, I think we got to start watching that because that's a pretty, pretty long movie. Yeah, we better start right now. <laughs>